Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Bueri, and as always, I'm with Storm Tracker, Dr. Lucy Jones. Each episode, we thank our supporters who help underwrite the work of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Please consider sponsoring this podcast for as little as $5 a month to support that nonprofit work. Simply go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Now, let's get to it. We're in the midst of hurricane season in the U.S., which is lasting longer and producing more intense hurricanes every year. Today, we're going to look at some of the basics of hurricanes and how it impacts communities across the country. Hurricanes, or more properly, tropical cyclones, are the deadliest of meteorological disasters in the world. We give different names to cyclones depending on where they form. Hurricanes are the cyclones that form around North America either in the Atlantic Ocean or in the Eastern Pacific Ocean. And a cyclone is defined as a rapidly rotating storm system characterized by strong winds and a spiral arrangement of thunderstorms. You mentioned a few oceans. Is that the only place it can happen? I mean, we don't see them here on the U.S. West Coast, not at least by this definition, especially that swirling arrangement of thunderstorms. Well, they can happen here just very infrequently. To understand where hurricanes form, you need to understand how they form. All storms have to have a source of energy to keep the water in the air and the air moving in the winds. And for tropical cyclones, the source is warm, moist air found over the warm ocean near the equator. Because the air just above the ocean surface is warm, it wants to rise and it carries its moisture with it. Because it's moving up, that leaves less air near the surface, causing an area of lower air pressure. As the water vapor rises into the higher levels of the atmosphere, the air around it's cooler, and now it starts to condense back into water droplets and form clouds. But it took quite a bit of energy to evaporate the water in the first place, and that energy gets released when it condenses. So the air around it is now even hotter and rises even more. We've now got a feedback loop going. Okay. So where is it possible for this to happen? A hurricane can only form where the water temperature is at least 80 degrees Fahrenheit over the top 150 feet of the ocean. And that's most likely to occur after months of long days heating the ocean, therefore towards the end of summer, and mostly in the tropics. But to get the storm to rotate, creating the very high winds, we also need the Coriolis force that's caused by the Earth's rotation. And the Coriolis force is zero at the equator. We don't actually create hurricanes at the equator. And it increases as you go towards the poles. So you've got the hurricanes forming in a band that is far enough away from the equator, at least about 300 miles, to get the spin going, but close enough to the equator that the water temperature is at least 80 degrees. So as the storm starts to rotate, it pulls more air into the low pressure and keeps the cycle going. So if this is how they form, we theoretically should be getting them here in California. So why don't we see them here? The hurricanes form anywhere in the warm water, especially near coasts where the water's warmer and potentially more irregular because you need that difference in pressure to get this whole thing going. But then they are moved by the big wind systems and tend to move towards the west. So hurricanes do form off of the west coast of Mexico or Central America, but they tend to move towards Hawaii. Very occasionally, we will get a more northerly pattern and they get carried up to California. 
But usually the water off California is too cold to sustain the hurricane. It's only when we get the really big El Ninos with very warm water off of California that we then get at least tropical storms coming in. It's happened a few times in the 20th century. So you've done a great job of explaining why they form and how they form. And this should make us feel a bit more in control about the fact that we see them happening. Except that when it comes to the damage and impact of a hurricane, it's less certain. Can you describe the impacts from the hurricane to a community, coastal community or otherwise? I think it's important to remember that this is not just about wind. There are three main sources of damage out of a hurricane, wind, storm surge, and rain. The wind is obvious. You have 150 mile an hour winds. You can damage a lot of things with that. The wind also causes the storm surge. Essentially, storm surge is the wind pushing the water in front of it and therefore up onto the shoreline, really much like a tsunami. So it inundates the coastal regions and that moving water does even more damage than moving air. So is it just the ocean water that's moved or are bodies of water that are slightly inland but still coastal also moved through storm surge? We do sometimes see that the big lake around New Orleans had a small surge coming out. You don't have as much water to move when you're inside those smaller bodies as compared to the ocean. But then we also have rain. Sometimes you might see 20 inches of rain in a day. And that overland, that overflows rivers, causes its own damage that really is separate from what the wind is doing. And both things, rain, wind, and the wind-caused storm surge are all really significant. So with this complicated damage equation, why are hurricanes measured the way they are with categories? What does the category actually tell you? Well, the category is the maximum speed of the wind at the center of the storm. And that tells you the most extreme wind damage that you can get, and of course also predicts the storm surge. Think about it, you'll hear that the storm has strengthened or weakened, it's now a category four, because that changes depending on the water that it's passing over. Once it hits land and you have less water to drive it, usually the categories drop really quickly and it becomes a tropical storm, a depression. It's scary when you see it stay strong over land. It sometimes happened if the land is really, really saturated. But that is also just the wind at the center. There's also how big the storm is. Back in 2017, we had Hurricane Irma passing over Florida and all of Florida ended up in that storm, but a lot of it only got category one winds that were on the edges of the storm and a relatively small path saw the really extreme winds. Another important thing to remember is that the amount of rain is not part of the definition of category. The category is only the wind. And you could have a slow moving category one that can drop more rain than a fast moving category four. And depending on the situation, the rain and the flooding can really be the big source of damage. As we think about hurricanes and what they've done and how we've studied them for more than a century, and we know that they happen globally, we also know that the climate crisis is in front of us and it's changing the nature of these storms. The fundamental of climate change is warmer air and warmer oceans. And that means we now have more ocean area that can drive a hurricane. We can see them coming farther north. That superstorm Sandy in 2012 was essentially a hurricane, but it was so far north they couldn't call it a hurricane by the definitions that they had for what a hurricane means. We are seeing stronger hurricanes, larger hurricanes, more intense and long lasting hurricanes and tropical cyclones all around the world because of climate change. And we expect this to happen. It's interesting, the seeding of a hurricane, having that irregularity near the coast, that doesn't appear to be changing a whole lot, at least not yet. 
but the intensity, the amount of energy to grow the storm, keep it big, get it up to hurricane strength, all of that is increasing. And we are definitely seeing an increase in the intensity of our storms. So with increased intensity, we also know the impact when they hit land, at least here in the US, it isn't just about that neighborhood. Obviously, the communities that are directly impacted are, but the rest of the nation feels the ripple effect of the economies that are impacted. As with most disasters, the economic losses oftentimes dwarf the direct losses from a disaster. So what can we do about this as a nation? We have to remember that this is part of our life. We need to know that the hurricanes are becoming more intense. Sea level rise also makes the storm surge worse. So even if they were the same size, we would be seeing more damage because of that. We need to think of these storms as a certainty. We just don't know when. Stop thinking of them as bad luck that maybe we can avoid. There's a lot of planning ahead that we could do, building codes for roofs that don't get pulled off, preserving wetlands that can buffer the storm surge, better maintenance of levees. These are all actions that reduce the impacts, but have to be done on the long term, not just in hurricane season. Well, let's leave it there for now. Until next time, I'm John Bwery with Dr. Lucy Jones and you getting through it. Getting Through It is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Visit us online to get past shows and become a sponsor at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Our music is performed by Josh Lee and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones.